Blushing girl from Blushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Oh, Mr. Sheffield. It's a podcast about the nanny. That's a show from the 90s starring Fran Drescher. And I am Shondi Pasquale here with my co-host. Toria Sheffield. That's right. And we are back for season four, episode... Uh (laughs) Uh-oh. Season four, episode six, Me and Mrs. Joan. Mm Mm-hmm. This one was written by series (gasps) co-creator Jacobson. Yes! Yep. And it was directed by the great Dorothy Lyman. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's the one where we unpack all of Maxwell's trauma. (laughs) (laughs) Well, almost the second one, because we've already met his mom. (laughs) We did, but his real issues come from his dad, very clearly. (laughs) Yes, yes. Oh, and really quick, the title is from a 1972 soul song called Me and Mrs. Jones. Yes, yes. Also uh, was uh, not really covered, but was kind of re-sung by Amy Winehouse. Uh, many yeah. years later, which is a great Isn't version. Isn't there also like a Counting Crow song that's like, Mr. Jones and me? Yes, there is. <laughs> I don't think it's related to this. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you're right. I don't think so, but still. Um, but yeah, this was written by um, Peter Mark Jacobson, or PMJ as we like to call him, which that's I right. always love. I don't know why. It just like makes me excited when I see that. PMJ? No, no. <laughs> oh, you're <laughs> yeah. just excited. <laughs> you're excited when you see he like directly wrote an episode? Yeah. Me too. I mean, he's been very kind to us. He's been on the show, a uh, friend of the show, you could call him. He He's very supportive of what we do, which is delightful. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he has a really good handle on what this show is. This is one of my favorite episodes we've ever watched. And mm-hmm. I think that's because it comes from the like a, a, a person who truly understands like what these characters are are thinking and feeling and has – taken this episode to like really dig into some of that. And I think that's the most, you know, I mean, sitcoms are sitcoms. They're light, they're fun. Stuff happens. It has no impact. We go to the next week. But every once in a while, you get something like this where you really get to like dig in. And it's it's fun. I, mm-hmm. I have such a good time with this stuff. Mm-hmm. And so um, this, we kind of already alluded to it, but this is the episode where we meet Mr. Sheffield's father, who is kind of unexpectedly in New York City. Um, and... It, it all starts off with uh, Fran and Maxwell outside an art gallery. And I literally just started off with a chuckle because this was so serious, uh, so silly, where they're looking yes. at this like kind of like old, like Rubenesque nude in the window of an art gallery. And he goes, Miss Fine, look at how fleshy and voluptuous her figure is. The artist was clearly inspired by a Ruben. And then she goes, if you ask me, she had one too many Rubens. <laughs> I just also love the idea, like when they stroll down the streets of New York, like this is what their conversation is. This is Um, what their conversation is like. Yeah. Yeah. And then he suddenly is like, oh my gosh. He's like, my father's in that gallery. And he's like, like, oh my God, he's coming out. Uh, And and she's like, he's like, let's run away. And she's like, no, no, like I'm not going to perpetuate this feud. So we very quickly, and I think like organically establish that like he and his father don't get along without a lot of exposition, which I always like. Yep. And then he's like, oh no, he's coming out. Kiss me. So then Fran's (laughs) just like, okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And they like hard make out. Yeah. To try to do that, you know, that movie thing where it's like, you know, kiss me and then the the 
pursuers won't know who I am, which right. I can't imagine would ever work in real life. Sort of like how you have said, like, you know, when it's like everybody out, but not you, you're like, yeah. has this ever worked in the history of anything? No, no. Same, same with the whole, like, let's kiss and they won't recognize yes, us. It's exactly. like, you still look like you. I mean, <laughs> unless you both have hoodies on and your faces are buried in said hoodies, I don't see how someone like my mom, <laughs> my mom would just be like, Sean. <laughs> oh, it's Sean kissing someone. <laughs> it's the same with, I feel the same way, not to diatribe too too far off the topic, but I feel the same way about most superhero costumes. I oh. feel like <laughs> even if I was fully in a Batman costume, like my mom and my fiance would 100% be like, <laughs> Sean, is that you dressed as Batman? And I'd be like, no, it's I'm Batman. And they'd be like, it's your mouth and chin and <laughs> eyes and face <laughs> and lips <laughs> and stature. <laughs> No, no, no. Uh, you've got me confused for another guy. Yeah. <laughs> um, um, oh, but- I, honestly, even in a Spider-Man outfit, I feel like like my most intimate like f- family and friends would be like, that's you. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, but, but yeah, so anyway, and it doesn't work here because his dad yeah. immediately recognizes him. Yes, and it's uh, this is uh, played by film and television actor Robert Vaughn, who is fam- very famous guy. He's he you'll definitely recognize him, and he's actually an American playing a Brit, mm-hmm. um, and he's been in tons of things over the years. I feel yeah. like you know when I looked at his IMDb, he'd definitely been in, like Murder She Wrote episodes, and I was like that tracks. Like if I saw that man's face, I would probably instantly be like probably Murder She Wrote. I mean, he was a like TV state, he was on every single TV show from like this 1962 to like uh, the late, I, I mean, uh, 2010s, I want to say. I mean, dude was popping up on like, you know, Law and Order Special Victims Unit here and there. I mean, yes. he, he he worked consistently, yes. always, was always working. Um, he, yeah. He was in Superman 3, was like a pretty big uh, a role for him, the Magnificent Seven TV series. I mean, mm-hmm. guy's been on just every TV show in existence. Um, and yeah, and he's great, and, great actor, like mm-hmm. phenomenal actor. And you know, he gets a good, you know, like kind of cheer from the audience when he yeah. appears. And you know, Mister Sheffield like instantly brings up the fact that you know th- this guy left the family for his secretary, and it devolves into a fight where you know Maxwell calls the a woman a tramp and and his father james sheffield calls like um maxwell's mother a shrew and they kind of like storm off in opposite directions um and i laughed really hard though because when um when fran oh sorry when the father's like no you're i have nothing against your mother maxwell and then he quietly goes shrew and then you know maxwell like goes oh because you left her for that woman and he's like tramp and fran thinks everyone's talking about her yes and when he when the father says it she's like hey i'll take it from him but i just met you (laughs) (laughs) um but so then we get to the next scene and it's fran niles and the kids in the kitchen and we just very quickly established this b plot that doesn't really mean anything but it's you know brighton wants to take about wants to take ballet lessons to meet girls um and I just have a note. He's so old now. He's really shot up. Um, but the more important thing is we established that Fran has secretly invited Mr. Sheffield's father over to the house for dinner that night because she mm-hmm. is hoping to like kind of, you know, orchestrate a reconciliation between them. And, um, and we get a hint of a C plot, which is it's really less of a plot and more of just like our running gag, our running Niles and CC gag for the episode, which is. Cece is now bribing information out of Niles. And and I feel like we've 
they've done this like here and there, maybe once or twice, but but it's very consistent throughout the episode where he's he keeps and the game keeps upping itself as the episode continues. But this is like sort of the first beat where like we see like Cece's trying to figure out what's going on, and she and Niles is like he you know he'll go he'll go like. Well, you know, Mr. Sheffield and his father ran into each other. And she's like, okay, and? And then he'll, like, sit there silently. And she's like, oh. And she, like, <laughs> gives him a couple more dollars. And he's like, and now he's been invited over for dinner. And <laughs> Yes, yes. It's so, so it's, it's a fun bit. Yeah. Yes. And Cece is fabulous in it. Uh, yes. And, um, and, you know, then Mr. Sheffield comes out. And he is, of course, livid because now he knows his dad is coming. And he, like, you know, wants to bolt. And Fran's like, you can't leave because I invited my mom and my grandma over and blah, blah, blah. So which is, yes. like, not not even a reason. But still, he's he's so, like, used to he's, – he's, he's so, like, Stockholm Syndrome by Fran that, like, he actually will, like, well, acquiesce to that. <laughs> it's not even stock – I mean, yeah, Stockholm Syndrome's like, a <laughs> – says a lot about you, Tori. <laughs> <laughs> it's like I guess it's Stockholm syndrome, or it's like just the implication that like they are basically a couple at this point, you yeah. know. And it's like his de facto partner slash wifey person is basically like, no, you can't. And he's like, okay, well, yeah, I guess <laughs> I she, even, she even says she's like, you can't leave. Uh, so my mom and Yetta are coming over. They're gonna think we have problems, right? Or they're gonna think we're having problems, which is such right. a merry thing to say. Um, and so. Um, then Fran and Fran actually says, she's like, you should give your father a chance. Like you might actually have things in common with him. And Mr. Sheffield's like, oh, trust me, we don't. I would never give into selfish pleasure and run off with some floozy who works for me. <laughs> um, so we're, and first of all, Fran's like, but why? But, but this is important because it, it really, it's clearly establishing Mr. Sheffield's hangups with his father and how Mr. Sheffield is determined to not be anything like him. Right. So, which, which is like oh, not sorry. giving into, into like your, in, your selfish instant gratifications, like what you really want, um, desires. And it's really smart. It's really smart writing because it, it feels very real. It's not a one for one, which life very rarely is. You know, it's not like the situation with his dad exactly mirrors his life, but you can see how he's projecting all of these unresolved feelings about his father and the way he was a philanderer and how he cheated on his mother and, and left her for the, his secretary. And he's like projecting all of this stuff onto Fran. And even though it's a completely different situation, it's like Mr. Sheffield didn't leave his wife. His wife died and like he's a single man and he's a widow and he's perfectly okay to have an attraction to this person that he's like brought into his house that like they've developed like a real friendship. But like he can't, he just can't. And like this episode perfectly, you know, illustrates why he is projecting so much of these feelings of like, well, I'll just be my dad if I run away with the help and blah, 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 well, blah. And also I think even more like probably where it comes from is this idea that like when you give in to like your desires or pleasure, you're, you're not thinking about how it affects other people. So right. like really as he was a kid, it like, you know, it was horrible for him. And maybe he's like, well, what if I do this and I give in and it doesn't work out with me and Miss Fine. And then I've selfishly hurt my children. Like, exactly. I think there's like, you know, a lot of just my pleasure will hurt other people going yeah, on. Absolutely. Um, and then, which is honestly sort of what he said in 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 the in the fallout of the plane situation, mm -hmm. which was basically like, look, I do like you. There's obviously something here, but like, 
there are so many things that could go horribly wrong if this doesn't work out that I'm paralyzed by all of those possibilities. And so we can't do this. Mm -hmm. And this, so this tracks and it's just an extension of that. And, and if anything, it, it really justifies his behavior. Um, because it, it, at least for the audience, it gives the audience a little bit more. It's, it's not just like he's, you know, a guy who's anxious about making a choice and things going wrong. He has like actual things in his childhood to point to, to be like, but look, look at what happens when someone just like goes with their heart. It mm -hmm. like hurts everyone around them. Mm -hmm. um, so, um, yeah. Well, and then the doorbell rings and it's Mr. Sheffield Sr. Um, <laughs> Niles answers the door and he goes, Niles, you don't look a day older than when you worked for me. And Niles <laughs> is like, that was my father, sir. And he goes, oh, then you look like hell. <laughs> so I love the, the, there's a couple like Niles um, related jokes that killed me. And that was one of them in this episode. Yeah, I just dropped my microphone. Um, then the mistress Joan shows up, and yes. this is she's played by literally Joan Crawford Collins. Joan Collins. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> Joan. Yes, Joan yeah. Collins. My Joan favorite. Collins, probably best known for her epic run of nine years on the show Dynasty. Um, I wonder how old Joan Crawford would have had to be to. <laughs> She's 700. Um, <laughs> um, what's really amazing about Joan Collins, though, is the lady is still working. She was at, most recently in, in a show. Uh, well, she was in American Horror Story in 2018, which, which most people have seen or heard of. She's also in some series in 2021 called Glow and Darkness, which I've never heard of. But then she's got three movies in pre-production right now and a movie coming out this year called tomorrow morning so like this lady is still working god bless her soul and, and this this she was already a mature lady and this was 30 years ago exactly exactly um, yeah and you know when, when this character enters you know she's super extra she and fran are dressed very similarly um fran, she feels like, like a british fran i mean i don't think they well, were yeah. Being coy about that. I, they, but I will know. say this, which I, I was a little oversight, but I guess just Joan Collins doesn't do accents. Mm. She has a posh accent. She so does. that was my only thing. I was like, I don't really buy this woman as like the same class equivalent as a Fran. Um, but either way, they're they're very right, like, they, like like she could have done more of like a like a cockney, you're saying. Like she yeah. could have seemed like she was less posh British and or more like, just you know, like common British. Daphne from uh, Frasier is sure. a good example of like, it's not Cockney, but it's not an upper class accent, you mm -hmm, know? Mm -hmm. Um, but so <laughs> there was, again, there was, there was this really funny, where she comes in and she's, you know, kind of like this sexy vixen type woman who's very, again, like extra over the top. And she goes, Oh, Maxwell, <laughs> I remember when you were a little boy, you used to love playing hide and seek under my skirt. Or maybe that was your father. And then she's like, <laughs> oh, but you did used to love spying on us. You and that chubby little boy who used to clean up after you. <laughs> <laughs> Which is Niles. Niles. And then Niles goes, hey, it was an awkward stage. <laughs> I'm just like, this again, like, I love anything that, that like, again, further solidifies as, ca as canon and, like, contextualizes that Niles and Mr. Sheffield have been entwined their entire lives. And yes. they've had this incredibly like toxic 
but like codependent relationships. Yes. And that even somehow, me. even as like a little chubby child, he was cleaning up after like his almost like like his dad's job was butler and and like his dad was like, You're gonna be butler someday, so like you gotta help too. Which I'm sure was like a very common um for many years in, in certain so um, funny. sections of English society. But I just yeah, it just it kind of just like something about it is so delightful to me and, and also sad. Um and then Which so, quick side note, we've never really heard much about Niles's mom, have we? Well, she didn't we, he said that she convinced him to do something safe instead of going into singing. Right. Um that's about it. Yeah. Um and then Sylvia and Yetta arrive and we go to this extremely strained dinner, which I thought was interesting because while there's definitely some great jokes at this dinner, there's definitely some beats that are not played for laughs. And where it's like, you know, someone says something and literally it's like, like, you know, it's, it's like, yeah, uh, no, I mean, like it is, it is played as a disastrous dinner. Like there's, there's, there's great Yetta lines to sort of lighten things, but it is just like, an awkward dinner filled with insults and like thinly veiled barbs. And it's a, it's a complete disaster. I mean, it's a complete disaster. And what, you know, we also, the big news that comes out of this is that Joan is no, is is not just Mr. Sheffield's father's mistress. They made it official. They're married. Yeah. And this, you know, even though it's been 25 years, even though everyone's an adult, this like, you know, makes Mr. Sheffield livid and makes Fran jealous because she's like, oh, well, he'll commit and you won't. Yep. Um, and we further do just establish that um, Mr. Sheffield thinks his father is like the most selfish person alive and is not over this. Um, and I also said, I actually think Joan was is really gross and rude in, this, <laughs> in general because she, she it's, it's not what she did. It's that she's constantly flaunting her sex life with Mr. Sheffield's father in front of Mr. Sheffield, which I think it doesn't matter what age you are. That's so rooted and sensitive to a child because <laughs> they're like they're, they're always a they're always going to be your parent. Like you don't want to hear about like the crazy elevator sex they had. So it I actually, I know it's totally played for laughs, and I don't even think it was designed to make her unlikable, but it like definitely triggered something in me. <laughs> Agreed. No, I totally agree. It, you know. There is like it, they're playing for laughs, and I get it. But yes, there's an element of it where it's like, especially based on how we know their relationship started. You know, again, this isn't a one for one, so it's not like Maxwell's mom died, and then this guy fell in love with like his secretary, and then eventually married her, and now she just talks about sex a lot. It's like he cheated on his mom with this lady, and now this lady's still rubbing in his face how like great their sex life is, and like that's like an open wound. It's like, Mm -hmm. it's really, she just comes off as like very callous, you know, Mm -hmm. like she just doesn't seem to give a shit that it, that it's like, could potentially be like really painful for Mr. Sheffield to constantly be reminded that like his mother's heart was broken by his cheating father, Mm -hmm. Um, which, yeah, you know, and again, I I think you're right. I don't think they were trying to do that at all, like in any way, shape or form. I think they're just trying to like lighten up this whole concept. Um, but yeah, it does. It read that way to me too. Where I was like, man, this lady's kind of mean. Like, yeah. I, you know, I get it. You won, you got, you got your man, but like, I don't know, maybe just maybe put yourself outside <laughs> of yourself a little bit and like realize what you're saying and how it could, you know, potentially hurt the people around mm-hmm. you. And then, oh, and one thing that's important that doesn't necessarily seem like a big deal during this whole big, you know, fiasco is that 
Mr. Sheffield's father uh, slips in this quick little investment tip. Um, He's talking to uh, Sylvia and he says something like, oh, yes, like, you know, I have lots of investments. In fact, I have a, a... you know, something coming down the line that if you invest in it, it will triple your money. And Sylvia's kind of like, oh, interesting. And then like we move on from it, but that's going to come in later, but just wanted to mention it. Um, And the next day, you know, after again, disastrous dinner where everybody runs out angry, um, Niles is still milking Cece for money um, by telling her the goods about what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, And Brayton walks in and he's like, I'm going to quit ballet. You know, there's too many guys already in class. And, and it's, uh, it's kind of funny because um, there, you know, it's he's like, you know, how am I supposed to get any girls when there's already all these guys there who are super muscular? And Fran's like, mm, I wouldn't be so sure that like, <laughs> yeah, you're, don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so again, just continuing that little uh, storyline. And then the doorbell rings, um, and it's Joan. And Joan has come specifically to talk to Fran. Like she's kind of taken a liking to her. Like clearly, kind of like sees herself in her. But again, in my head, I was like. Fran is completely different than you because Fran puts those kids first and she's like the least selfish person ever. Yes. Uh, but anyway, so um, she she comes in and they start kind of just like discussing and commiserating what it's like dealing with the Sheffield men and the Sheffield family. And Joan's like, yeah, you know, like um, they, his family never thought I was good enough for him. They, you know, they literally thought I wasn't of the right class. And again, I'm just like, okay, I get it, but you did break up a marriage. Like, it's like well, it's not, it's not the same. Agreed. <laughs> and and I felt bad for Fran in this scene because Fran's like taking all of this very personally, and it's like, but this is not your situation. Like, I, I, I was like, this is not your situation, Fran. Like, it's yeah. not. It would be. It, a- Mr. Sheffield's family loves her. Like, like the people that matter to Mr. Sheffield love Fran. Those kids love Fran. They don't see her as like lower class than them. They don't see her as anything other than a woman who came into their life and filled in a void that they desperately needed to be filled. She's brought joy and fun to them. Niles loves her. Like everyone that is important to Mr. Sheffield adores Fran. So they're not as similar as she thinks. Yeah. But the thing that is like really, you know, I guess you could say like activating Fran is that at least at a certain point, Mr. Sheffield's father followed his heart because like when all is said and done, he clearly, he had fallen in love with another woman and he was in an unhappy marriage and he went for it. Right. And clearly it's was probably the right decision because it's getting married. They got married. It's (laughs) lasted, you know, a quarter of a century. Like it wasn't just a flip. And Fran is like, you know, I'm afraid that, you know, Maxwell will never do that, that he'll, he will never go for this. And, and that's, I think what's like scaring her and why she's upset because, Mm -hmm. you know, Joan even goes, she, she was like, um, I remember like when he finally first made the move, like, I remember what I was wearing. I was wearing a little top and tight, you know, tight skirt. And I walked into his office to change his typewriter, uh, ink. And you know, he, that's when it finally happened. And she kind of like describes it and she's really describing it in like incredible detail. Cause some of it's being like whispered to Fran and Fran's like, Oh, I can't do that. I'm Jewish. And I was like, I wonder what it was. Um, but I have so, thoughts, I have thoughts, but it will keep yeah, it a family have- show. <laughs> <laughs> no, I will get into it. Cause I have questions too um so um this gives fran this idea of like you know what okay i'm just gonna make this happen i'm just like gonna go in there and i'm gonna be in something tight and cute and you know i'm gonna make him sort of go for it so the next scene fran saunters into mr sheffield's office like in a 
tight little crop top and tight pants. And she even says something like, oh, I'm going to change your typewriter ink. And he's like, I, I don't have a typewriter. <laughs> um, she and- goes, Mr. Sheffield, where's your typewriter? And he's like, I don't know, in storage somewhere? <laughs> what? <Yeah>. What's happening? <laughs> 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 um, like with the other stuff I haven't used in 40 yeah. years. <laughs> so then, um, but before she can even try to like seduce him, Mr. Sheffield tells her he's had an epiphany and that maybe his father has it right. Maybe he should be living more for his own pleasure. I'm like, you know, Hey, what is so wrong with that? And he's like, you know yeah. what? Maybe I should submit to this. Like my father married his secretary. My sister married her driver. My grandfather married his maid. Like- I thought this was very interesting. We learned everyone in Mr. Sheffield's family married the help, which is so, so complicated. Oh, it's so complicated. <laughs> but you know, I, I bet, well, it's not really the same because it's keeping it all secret, but I'm sure like the uh, number of illegitimate children that have been had between like men of the houses and staff over the course of history is like, so many. Yeah, probably. <laughs> so, so many. Yeah. Um, but true. so he's like, but you know what? Maybe they all had the right idea. Like they, they went for what they wanted. And he literally then dips Fran, kisses her, and then they start going at it. Like most intense we have ever seen. They like, you know, shove all the stuff off his desk. Yeah, they're, they're getting you know, into it. I, and maybe it's not the most we've seen, but it's up there. Top three. Um and right at that point, his father and Joan walk in to say goodbye. With Niles. Um, yes, with Niles. <laughs> oh, yeah, I forgot. Niles does walk yeah. in while they're on top of each other. Um, and like literally he says something like, oh, yes, like I'm picturing myself in uh, Miss Babcock's BMW right now because <laughs> realizing he has so much leverage yeah. to bribe her. Um, but so, yeah, Mr. Sheffield's father comes in and, um, you know, Mr. Sheffield uh, Jr. and Fran like disentangle and Maxwell starts to try to apologize to his father um, saying like, I think maybe I had it all wrong. Maybe I've been too hard on you. And it's interesting because Fran, I think kind of intuitively knows that what was just happening between her and Maxwell is like too good to be true Mm -hmm. and that like anything could ruin it. So she's actually trying to like rush them out. She's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't need to say that. Uh, Bye guys. Bye. Um, Because then um, Mr. You know, right when he's trying to apologize, Sylvia runs in, like, you know, completely, like, like, distressed. And she's like, I've lost everything. And she like points at Mr. Sheffield's father. And she's like, I invested in that tip that was supposed to triple my money. I know I lost $25,000. And at first, Fran's like, oh, ma, like, you know, you can't blame him for your decisions. And then Sylvia goes... It was the money we were going to move to Boca with. And then Fran's like, you basically like, you son of a bitch. Yes, like, <laughs> you <laughs> monster. Yes, to the father. Yeah. And um, Mr. Sheffield's father, you know, he responds like super callously and out of touch. Like, you know, oh, well, thank goodness that's all you invested. Like, oh, well, ta-ta. And yeah. Mr. Sheffield then becomes livid again. And he's just like, you know, I can't believe I actually was thinking for a moment that I wanted to be more like you. Like I forgot. I forgot how much pain your selfishness causes other people. Yeah. And then he turns to Fran. He's like, Miss Fine, I'm sorry for what I did back there. Like, it's done. It's not happening again. Um, and it's funny because she just goes, alrighty then. And starts eating <laughs> chocolate. Because yeah. it's like, she just like knew, she knew like this might not last. Yep. Um, and, you know, then his father storms out with Joan and like, that's it. And um, I thought it was interesting because oh, because we're almost at the end. The button is just like a few days later. Fran and Mr. Sheffield are standing outside that gallery, and she's like, 
oh, Mr. Sheffield, I, I think I see your father again. And then so he kisses her. And then a man that looks absolutely nothing like the father walks out. <laughs> she clearly just wanted to trick him so they could kiss. And then yeah. she's like, oh, my mistake. But <laughs> but my one note at the end of all this is it's interesting. There's no reconciliation, like much like no. with the episode with his mother, which yeah. is probably more accurate. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It's probably very real. You know, mm-hmm. things don't always get solved. Those kinds of deep-seated problems don't always get solved because it's really – it's like – you would have to change who his father is as a human being in the last 10 minutes of this show. And it's like not enough happens that like he would have this come to Jesus revelation to be like, you're right, son, I've been horrible. Like Mm -hmm. he just, he's not going to see it. And it's not really for Mr. Sheffield's dad to make the change. This, this all has to be work that Mr. Sheffield, like he has to process what just happened and realize I am not my dad. And the choices that I make are not the same choices my father makes. And that, you know, my situation with Fran is nothing like the situation that my dad had with, you know, his his secretary. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and really like, even if his dad had been like, you're totally right. And I did make some bad decisions and blah, blah, blah. I don't know that that would necessarily have made anything different for Mr. Sheffield. He still has to do the work, you know, for himself. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I was also thinking, I mean, this is sort of dark. I was like, usually the only time people kind of get these like self aware and self-reflective apologies are when someone's like kind of dying. (laughs) Like, you know, it's usually when, and that's when people can usually forgive people that they've been angry at for many, many years. It's Mm -hmm. sort of like, you know, the last few weeks, the last few months. And, and that's, you know, it wasn't like long, long way of saying like, it wasn't going to happen at the end of this episode. And if it did, it would have rang like really false. So I'm, I'm glad, I'm I'm glad they like opted for this. Uh, But overall, even though we took it to a very serious place, this was a very funny episode. It was very entertaining. Mm -hmm. Um, As we've always said, like, um, character, like jokes work best when they're rooted in the specificity of the characters. And this like, sort of just, is that a hundred percent? Um, and I guess that's why we both probably responded to it so well. Yeah, um, I, I love this one. And I have a lot of funny one-liners. So I'm excited okay. to get into So should we? Let's go to segments. 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 Blah, blah, blah. And now, segments. So. Segments. Yeah, no, I think we should move on to segments. I to say we can move on to our segments. And now, Segments. Um, yeah, there's so many there. I mean, basically every Yetta line (laughs) is amazing. Um, let's start with they're at the dinner table and (laughs) Mrs. Joan goes, goes, where did you get these delicious shrimp? And Yetta exquisite shrimp. Yeah, exquisite shrimp. And Yetta goes, oh, I came with her, pointing to her (laughs) daughter. And then she goes, no, dear, I meant the crustacean. And Yetta goes, oh, she's my daughter. (laughs) It's like, I love that they play Yetta's dementia for hilarious laughs. But also, it's not even dementia. It's like, it's like, I'm like, dear God, I want an ounce of Yetta's 
confidence mm-hmm. because just the idea that like you hear the phrase exquisite shrimp and you assume someone's talking about you i i that was my favorite so line the whole episode actually i have that yeah. too um i liked you know one one of the first lines in the episode which is when they're looking at that ruben that ruben-esque painting and then all of a sudden mr sheffield goes oh my god it's my father and Frank goes well, you know, my uncle Louie began developing breasts around 60. Yeah, the idea of like what those two talk about as they like walk sort of arm in arm through the cities of New York makes me laugh. Yeah. Um, I already said I loved when Mr. Sheffield's father is like, oh, you don't look a day, o- a day older than when you worked for me. And it, he's like, that, that was my father. <laughs> um, I uh, also liked Yetta. Again, Yetta just randomly at dinner goes um, – has anyone seen Babe? How'd they get the pig to learn all those lines? And you're like, okay, that's funny. Babe is very popular right now, you know, whatever. But then, but then later at the very end of the scene, she just goes, "Ugh, what am I nuts? A pig can't learn lines. He must have had cue cards." Yes, that's one of my lines too. It was so good. I loved it. And again, I'm telling you, that writers' room, like, they're loving these Babe jokes, and like, I don't mind it either. But again, I find it it's just fun when you know that there is something that is like very specific to like a writer's room that's making them laugh. And in this one, it's like babe pig in the city references. So it's like, I don't know if it's like the writer's room collectively hated this movie or. I think it was a, I think it was a, I I, I have pretty, pretty strong memories of a collective sort of um, pushback to the idea that a talking pig movie won an Academy Award and was nominated for awards. And there was like a lot of snarky SNL and like late night jokes about like, I guess this is a great movie because like it's nominated for awards, but it is legit a movie about a talking pig. What are we doing? <laughs> and and like, I feel like this is just part of that era of like, it was like a good year and a half, two year period where everyone was just sort of blown away by the fact that that this movie even existed, let alone that it existed with such high accolades, you know? Yep. Yep. Um, oh gosh. And then, oh, that dinner table scene had another line that I loved. Uh, Sylvia had clearly like gotten mustard on, <laughs> on Mr. Sheffield's father's tie somehow. And she's like, first she's like, don't worry, this will definitely come off. And then she just looks at it and she goes, doesn't this mustard stain look like Jill Eikenberry? <laughs> I, I mean, it's just such a random, so funny random. reference. Jill yes. Eikenberry is like an actress, like, but like not even, not a household name actress. Mm-hmm. I was just, I loved it. I, I literally like barked with laughter. Same. Um, then for Yiddish, I didn't clock any of this episode, which um, makes sense because this is more a Mr. Sheffield family um, mm-hmm. rooted thing. So, it, you know, it would have been a little surprising and they've been throwing it around. Um, and then, for nanny trivia, this is kind of cool. Um, one of our listeners, um, Pax, who, who goes by Paxton De Silva on Instagram, he alerted us to the fact that there um, has been talk of a nanny movie. Um, there was a recent interview with Fran Drescher. I think it was E News or Entertainment Tonight. I have to double check. Yep. But she basically had said like they're they've been in sort of like talks. It's nothing official, but she did say, "quote It won't be a musical, and the music's going to be." The musical is going to be set in the 90s. The movie will probably be more in the present and incorporate new characters. Um, She said the potential movie would also include some of the beloved characters from the original series, but would, quote, dovetail into a whole other character story. Yeah. So firstly, like, this is interesting for two reasons. Um, The first being, I don't remember if we already knew that the musical was definitely going to take place in the 90s. We did. But 
Oh, we did? Okay, I guess I forgot that. But uh, hey, good thing I have a bad memory because I was delighted all over again. Yeah, yeah no, um, the musical – it, 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 the musical, it seems like, is a musical adaptation of the TV show we all know and love. They are going hard into nostalgia. Like, they're going to just lean into, I think the music's going to be very 90s. I think the style and, like, the look of the show is going to be, is going to just embrace 90s um, colors and fashion sense and all of that stuff. But they have talked a lot about whether it's a reboot or a new show or a movie, whatever it is. You know, Fran and Peter have both talked about how, you know, they really want to, they, they seem to firmly believe that there's longevity in the concept more mm-hmm. so than in just the individual characters. And that like, while they acknowledge that people want to like check in with these characters and see them in some way, you know, they, I, I get the sense that they don't think they can hang an entire series on putting all these people back together. And part of that we've been told flat out is because they, they really thought that the longevity of this series was based on the will they, won't they, and that once they did, it becomes a different thing. She's not a nanny anymore. She's a mom. You know, yeah, she's, and she's a stepmom. Well, also in the interview that was sent to us, um, you know, one of the things that Fran Drescher said is is how big part of this also it all hinges on like Fran's good heart and like kind of like right. the power of having a good heart. And I'm like, you know, yeah, I do think more than anything right now, like if we got a more modern take on like sort of what a, a Fran type of person would be like in 2022, yes. like the, you know, that would be, you, you could really, you know, be addressing a lot of things that have been happening in the world in, and see just like what the loving, compassionate viewpoint on all of it is in yes. terms, you know, and I think that could be, just really nice. Um, I agree. So and it's I, also like all of those children are adults. So it's like the the idea of like, oh, we'll get a nanny show or movie that's a continuation. It's like, she's not a nanny anymore. They're, it's, they're all grown people. Like there's no, there has to be children again. There has to be someone in need of help with those children. And then there has to be someone, you know, with that positive point of view who comes into their life and and brings them the joy that they were missing. And I, mm-hmm. I don't think you can recreate any of those elements by using the exact same cast. So I, I think it's a smart play for them. I think, you know, I mean, look, even they just were talking about this Frasier continuation reboot and it's like it takes place in a new city with a new cast and we might see some of the old cast but the only like real through line is going to be Fraser crane himself and and it's like i think you have to do that like yeah. you can't just re- you know we've seen so many of these reboot shows try to recreate magic and they seem to fail every time and the ones that are successful are the ones that embrace the old by ushering, by using the old to usher in something new. By you know, killing, by killing off Roseanne. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, look, I, I was actually thinking more of like the Saved by the Bell show, which mm-hmm. unfortunately got canceled, but was excellent. Like it was mm-hmm. excellent. It was such a good show. And they did a wonderful job of incorporating all of the old characters that people were like really curious, where are they? But like not making those old characters be stuck in their, in their old character traits, letting them grow up a little bit, and then bringing in new characters to be like, well, but high school is not what it was. So let's like address a high school as it would be now. And and I think the nanny has to do something similar. I just, I don't think you can, I don't think you can recreate magic in the same way, especially in shows like this that's so, you know, hinge on 
specific elements. There there has to be children or she's yeah. not a nanny. You well, know, I will say, I think this dovetails well into the segment of asking the listeners a question. I just want to say, where do you guys think that Fran would be now? I'm just curious. Yeah, like, let us Fran know. Fine. Yeah, we're... <laughs> Not Fran Drescher. Yeah, we know where Fran Drescher is. Uh, <laughs> she's she's a public figure. So. Um, but so, yeah, where, where would she be in your ideal world now? Like, what would she be doing? What would the kids be up to? I, I, I would love to hear that. Um, Same. And then in terms of, you know, who, you know, you we are this episode. I know we've expanded to the Fran and the Cece. I really felt like a Mr. Sheffield in a lot of ways. But, I mean, you know, I come from divorce. I come from steps situations uh and uh i'll leave it at that because people in my family might listen (laughs) i mentioned this last week uh a little bit but i i had a very vivid recall moment watching this episode where um i remembered as a kid connecting to this episode specifically because of the brighton b plot Oh, yeah. Because at the time, I was in a performing arts high school, and one of the requirements of that performing arts high school was everyone, first, like freshman year, everyone had to take a dance and movement class like you had to. And I was very like, I don't want to do this. And then I did it, and I loved it. And then like the second year, I took a second class because I just thought it was fun. Like it was fun. I liked doing it. Um, And much like Brighton, I also was like one of – the only straight men in that class. And it was fun for me. It was fun to be around girls all day and everyone was super nice and everyone was really supportive. Um, so, and I had like a moment watching the show where I was like, oh yeah, I, I remember seeing this episode and being like, yeah, see, that's cool. You can do this and, and um, just be yourself. And there actually, uh, there was a really funny little beat that I forgot to mention in, in moments, but, uh, when Brighton comes in at one point and it's like, I think I need to quit ballet. Like, you know, I don't know. And then he goes up the stairs, but instead of walking up the stairs, he like gracefully leaps up all of them. And I just thought that was really fun. <laughs> yep. but he, he's incorporating. He movement. likes it. <laughs> yeah. 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 Um, and at one point he's like, she's like, well, if you don't like it, then why don't you quit? And he's like, I can't just quit. I'm the latest one. They've already made me lead Swan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so that's the episode. Yep. Um, Super delightful, uh, a really strong one of the season, um, and I'm excited for more. Same. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure Jay Leno is in the next one. Oh, I, uh, I have a lot of thoughts about Jay Leno. <laughs> oh, yeah. Spoiler alert, I hate him. Um, yeah, I think our generation um, will never like Jay Leno, especially if you're a comedy person, because he represents – we'll get into it next week, but I think he represents so much of like – a certain type of mainstream comedy. Lazy that, like, mainstream comedy. That, yeah, that we came up being. And then the fact that he then screwed over Conan, who for many, many years was like the mainstream representation of something Of weirder. alt comedy. Yeah, yeah. alt comedy. It was uh-huh. just like, I mean, it was it was kind of crushing to me as a huge comedy fan at the time. Yeah. I mean, that probably sounds crazy because now, you know, 10 years later, 15 years later, there's so much more alt comedy than what you just see on network TV. So mm-hmm. Conan probably seems so mainstream, but he was all we had for a long time. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm excited to get into some of that stuff. Yeah. Good preview for, for next week. Yeah. And, you know, as always, if you're enjoying the show, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, rate the please, show, please, talk please. about it. Please, please, please. And um, you can find us on uh, Instagram and Twitter at Oh Mr. Chef Pod. 
And you can also email us if you so desire at oh Mr. Sheffield Podcast at gmail.com. We are we are available in so many places. We love hearing from you guys. The Instagram is such a blast. Um, we even did a poll this week uh, on Instagram and Twitter about what you guys are thinking of the new uh, segments theme. And everyone seems to like it, which made me feel uh, very happy because I don't want to change it back. So, yay. Huzzah. <laughs> Huzzah. Okay. And that's an episode. So, <laughs> bye. Bye. The Flushing Girl from Flushing. The nanny named Fran. Oh, Mr. Sheffield. Uh, uh, Miss Fine.